goat cheese from Havar, Croatian firewater, and how to travel responsibly in a place known for over-tourism. This week, we're in Dubrovnik, Croatia. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we make a trip to a different place to sample their dishes and drinks. And this week, Rob Rose, creator and host of the TV show Raw Travel, is my guest. I've been a fan of Rob and his show for quite a while, and when I saw the new season was going to feature an episode on Croatia, I decided to send him an email and invite him on the podcast. I was shocked when he responded back almost immediately, and I'm psyched to have him on the show, especially since we're talking about one of my favorite destinations, Croatia. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you might know how much I love Croatia. It was the place that introduced me to Rakia, a Croatian firewater, and it was the place where I really became obsessed with truffles. It was also the place that inspired me to write my novel, Truffle Hunt. Luckily, Rob is just as taken with Croatia as me, and we talk about the friendly people, how to travel responsibly, especially in a place like Dubrovnik, which is at the center of the over-tourism debate. And of course, we talk food like delicious cheese made on an island near Dubrovnik. Rob also tells me about his trips to Croatia's capital, Zagreb, and a place called Mosquito City. (laughs) Trust me, it's better than it sounds. Season 9 of Raw Travel debuts this weekend. Check your local listings. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. Rob Rose, thank you so much for being on Destination Eat Drink. It's great to be able to talk to you on the podcast. Your new season of Raw Travel, Season 9, has just debuted. If there's anyone out there who maybe hasn't seen Raw Travel yet, how how do you describe your show? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, It's an honor and a privilege. Um, And secondly, I would just say to describe Raw Travel is, is kind of, if you just substitute the word raw for real, it's not overly produced. Um, it's trying to be as authentic as possible. And we really want to encourage people to get outside of the tourism zones when possible to have the most authentic and real experiences with locals as possible. Because to me, that's what travel is all about. It's just those human connections that you make, which you can make through food, through culture, through dance, through music. But traveling um, you know, authentically just means you know, doing it in a sustainable, uh, socially conscious way and getting to know the locals on a level that's not transactional where you're just a, a human ATM and you're just having this transactional relationship. You're actually having a human connection with someone that you may or may not even speak the language. Isn't that what it's all about is making friends? I mean, some of my most special uh, relationships that I have are people that I may have only spent a little bit of time with, but they're still friends of mine years or even decades later. Yeah, you know, a lot of people really bash social media, and, and I'm, I'm one of the first ones to be like, yeah, it has <laughs> definitely had some negative yeah. impacts on our society, but the, the positive is also there. And it's like anything, there's yin and yang, right? There's some positive and negatives, but one of them is you're able to stay in touch with people um, on a global basis, and it really just expands that relationship that almost anywhere I go in the world 
If I don't know someone there, I know someone that knows someone there. And, and that really shrinks the world down to a, a, what I think is a friendlier place, despite all the scary stuff that we see every day. Um, it is absolutely 100% inspiring to me and also just keeps me going when I go out there and find out that so many good people are out there and because um, it's so easy to forget that. And so you get outside of your day-to-day routine. Maybe you're having some negative thoughts. I'm the king of, you know, getting into a rut like that. Travel is the first thing. I call it the tow truck of life. It pulls me out of the rut. Oh, man. It gets me. I, I <laughs> like know? that. I've never heard that. That's a good one. I'm going to have to is use it, that. Yeah. yeah. Use it. Use it, man. It's kind of silly, but I, I use it because I'm like, you know, as soon as I go, I'm out of my rut. I'm loving life again, and I am inspired to live my best life. And um, it has given me so much, and I'm so grateful for it. Your new season of Raw Travel, season nine, is uh, just coming out now. Uh, give us a quick thumbnail. What are some of the places that you visited during season nine, and what are some of your favorite uh, memories of it? So season nine will be a, a bit different. It's our first season, believe it or not, since the pandemic, because season eight, even though the pandemic was raging, we had already filmed enough content prior to that. I was filming ahead of time. And I was able to get through without actually having to film any new content. So season nine was a bit of a challenge. I was like, you know, how are we going to do this? And so, you know, even pre-vaccine, I was trying to come up with a plan. And so it's going to be a little bit different, I guess, than previous seasons. Uh, But I like to say I take what the travel gods give me. Mm. So when international travel is what I love. That's it. Bottom line is that's what, you know, moves me the most. But I also do a little domestic travel as well. And so I bought an RV and a, and a tow vehicle, a small little mini RV, um, you know, hopefully small carbon footprint. And I've taken a trip um, so far just through uh, Tennessee, <laughs> which is where the RV is parked and where I'm originally <laughs> from and where, you know, my family lives. So uh, originally I was going to go to South Dakota and do this massive road trip and it, I learned real quickly that uh, that was way too ambitious. Um, you know, driving 500 miles a day in an RV trailer was just in a, in a, in a small RV trailer was too, too, um, too ambitious. But I was able to have a good experience there. So uh, there will be some RV domestic travel, um, which I think is kind of COVID proof. You know, because you can always get away from people and and be out in the outdoors. Uh, but also, as I said, you know the, what the travel gods give me. So um, back in July. When the vaccine first came out, uh, Croatia started welcoming um, American vaccinated travelers without having to quarantine. And I was one of the first flights that I booked. And so I went to Croatia for 11 days. It was my first international trip in, I think, 20 months. And I can't tell you how badly I needed it. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Totally. I was even concerned, man. I was like, you know, what if it doesn't have the impact that it used to have? Need not be concerned, man. As soon as I landed, it, it... it just felt better than ever before. And, um, you know, all the fear and misery of the past 20 months, because I was in New York, man, during the, the the real fearful part of COVID when it first hit and yeah. people around me were catching it. And I was really worried about some friends. I had one friend had a double lung transplant. I mean, it's been heavy. Wow. Luckily, no deaths. Thank goodness. Uh, anyone close to me, but people close to people that I'm close to have died. So I I just needed it, man. And so I went out there and I was like, you know, if I film, I film. If I don't, I don't. Well, 
as usual, I, my compulsion to film took over and I filmed a lot. So you'll see Croatia, uh, a lot of different cities, beginning with Dubrovnik and then moving on all the way through uh, some of the less touristy areas, which I really like. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's almost as soon as I got back from Croatia, I had a couple of weeks break and then I had the opportunity to go to Puerto Rico, which is, of course, is not technically international because it is part of the United States, but it's a, a different culture and a different language. And though I had been there once before, it was a long, long time ago. So this time I was able to go and just deep dive um, into Puerto Rico. I was there for about five days and filmed um, two or three episodes and really got to know Puerto Rico at a much deeper level. So that was really fulfilling. Um, so those are the destinations that we definitely have. As far as like, you know, moving forward, I'm still, I'm, I'm much further behind than I was, you know, in previous seasons because of COVID and the pause in travel. But my goal is to get, you know, maybe down to Argentina and Patagonia uh, over the winter. Oh, cool. All I know is I'm not going to spend another blizzard, cold winter in New York City cooped up in my one bedroom apartment in New York. <laughs> I'm traveling, man. Whatever the travel gods allow me, that's what I'm taking. If I got to get in an RV and go to Arizona, I'll do that. Or if I can go further south to Argentina, um, I'll do that or Europe. Um, you know, we'll just see. But uh, I'm going to do whatever I can to make it as diverse and as normal looking for people as possible. We try not to film with mask on. We of course are very safe. I'm very, I'm, I'm very conscientious about safety, uh, and and sending that message of safety to people. I don't want to be irresponsible, uh, but at the same time, um, I want people to take a break from this. And hopefully, by the time a lot of this airs, you know, the 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 worst of this will be behind us if it isn't already. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about Croatia because it's a place that holds a warm spot in my heart. My novel was set partially in Croatia, not in Dubrovnik. Um, and I was inspired from a trip to Croatia to, to write about it. I haven't been to Dubrovnik. I spent my time in Zagreb, which you've been to, and the Istrian Peninsula, mm. uh, not far from Venice and Trieste, Italy. But I want to talk about Dubrovnik because I haven't been there what were your impressions going to Dubrovnik? Granted that they may be a little bit skewed because it was during times of COVID. Yeah. So one of the reasons I had not been to Croatia before, even though I'd heard tremendous things, was I was concerned about over-tourism. And the whole idea behind raw travel right. is to zig while everyone else zags. I don't want to go to Venice, Italy and be part of the crowd that causes issues for the locals there. I live near Times Square, New York. I am very familiar hmm. what it feels like when 60 million clueless people come in and clog up the streets, drive the prices up, and you as a local, even me as a travel guy, resent them. So I stayed away from Croatia and places like Dubrovnik, the Dalmatian coast, because of that. However, I thought this would be a good window of opportunity, given the pandemic, and we have to strike that balance, right? Because Dubrovnik is super dependent on travel and tourism. The problem becomes when people do that with no breaks. They just allow, you know, it's full speed ahead all the time. Well, if you allow that, um, you know, it just has a self-fulfilling prophecy of becoming over-touristed. So Dubrovnik has struggled with that. And so I wanted to see for myself what their challenges were. Is there a responsible, sustainable way to travel to a place like Dubrovnik? So the first thing I'll tell you is there's a reason everybody wants to go there. Hmm. It's gorgeous. Right, right. It's an old, old historic city. There's no cars allowed. 
you're walking upstairs. It's just, it's, it's like literally taking a, a trip back in time. It's also very fun. Uh, there's a lot of great food, a lot of great drink. But um, the problem that they've had in the past is these cruise ships would come in, yeah. dump their passengers out for a day, and then go back home that day. And so these day trippers causing all kinds of problems um, and some, you know, self-induced, like the restaurants, for example, would care less of some of them, not all of them, obviously, but some of them would be care less. They cater to those day trippers. So the quality of food is not good. The price is high. They gouge the customer because they're never going to see them again. Right. You don't have to worry about repeat experiences. And um, and so if you happen to be unlucky in there, when those day trippers invade the town, uh, literally there's two entrances to this medieval city. And sometimes they say it would take an hour in line to get into the city. I'm like, forget that, man. I won't even stay in a velvet rope to the hottest VIP club in New York <laughs> City. I haven't done that in my 20s. I wouldn't even do that. I'm not going to do it now. So... What I found was that, um, number one, they've, they've taken steps to limit the number of cruise ships that can come by. Number two, because this was post-pandemic, it felt crowded to me, but for them, it was not crowded. It was just crowded because I was used to isolation. And then the third thing I found, and what we focus on in the episode, um, is this area of Dubrovnik outside of the old city called Gruge, where actual locals still live. Because in the old city, uh, a consequence of over-tourism, tourism, just as in Venice, is that the locals have fled. They, they've, they leave. Who wants to live in a tourist? You know, you're being photographed and filmed and, you know, people are annoying if they're traveler. You know, if you're just surrounded by tourists all day, flog, you know, throngs of tourists. And so um, if you go just, and it's within walking distance, you can walk it in about 30 to 45 minutes from the old old town, which I did. And I just found all this cool stuff happening there. There was like a local brewery called Dubrovnik Brewery. Um, there was a, a vegetarian restaurant. The guy, you know, really caters to locals. But there's a lot of the uh, more, I would say, savvy travelers who stayed in Gruge as opposed to the old town. I did not. I stayed in old town. Um, and then there's like a, a guy who did a DIY museum about communist history in uh, Croatia and the former Yugoslavia um, and he did it himself because there's no, no state-sponsored um, museum because um, it's kind of a taboo topic. And so I, I interviewed those folks and met them and just had the best time ever uh, because I was outside of the tourism zone. And I had the best of both worlds. I was staying in the old town. I got to see all those sites. And then I got to go to Gruge and see the Port Gruge area, uh, which ironically is where the cruise ships come in a lot of times. <laughs> but uh, they weren't in at that time, and uh, I had a really cool experience, you know, and uh, I, they're really working hard to get people to not just come in for a day, to not just go to the old town, and to do it in a more responsible way, and, and that's what we're trying to do on our show is to encourage people, go to Dubrovnik, but here's how you can do it and be responsible about it. That town of Gruge, that area of Gruge sounds amazing, and I think that is the advice to give to folks who want to do things more responsibly. Like if, if you talk to people from Venice, they say, well, there's other islands that are nearby that barely any tourists right. go to. Or if you talk to someone from Florence, they say, go across the Arno River. That's where the locals live. Um, right. And I, you totally put your finger on the problem, which is the cruise ships. I mean, I don't want to cast dispersions on an, on a whole industry, but man, I've lived in places where cruise ships have really altered the yeah. city and the quality of life for people. And 
I remember when I worked in Newport, Rhode Island, lived in Rhode Island, worked in Newport, Rhode Island, and the people had just, they had had it. <laughs> they had had it. Yeah. And it got to the point where, you know, you would see bumper stickers around that said, um, why do they call it tourist season if we can't shoot them? You know, and, <laughs> you know, I mean, they were, they were on their last nerve with, uh, yeah. with the way it is. And Charleston's the same that? way. A lot of these towns are like that. A lot of them are. I mean, in New York, I saw a thing that said, it said, welcome to New York. Now go home. You know, so. <laughs> when I was reality- in Austin, they had t-shirts. Um, Austin sucks. Don't move here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, so it's kind of like a backlash to that. Barcelona, same thing. I did not have a good time in Barcelona. I didn't feel welcomed. Oh, I didn't feel welcome. I was there in August when they were inundated with tourists and um, not the most respectful kind either. So what I find is that if we all go to the same place at the same time, it's a problem. But if we all just kind of spread out, we can both, everybody can benefit, including places like Barcelona and Venice and those places on the outlying areas like Gruge. And, And there is a way to do it. And and also cruise ships are not in and of themselves, like you said, a bad thing. It sounds pretty cool to go on one, but there's got to be a way to do it responsibly. That's up to the industry, but it's also up to us as travelers to reject that. I have an option. Every time I pull out my wallet, I can buy almond milk, which is not ecologically responsible, or I can buy rice milk. I'm going to buy rice milk. I can get something wrapped in plastic, or I can get something made of recyclable cardboard. I can have a sustainable travel experience or I can be part of the problem and and flock in. For me, it's an easy choice because I prefer off the grid. I find that you have better experiences off the grid, that you're more welcome. Why would you want to go somewhere where people are antagonistic towards you? Yeah. When you can go somewhere like a Muslim country like Jakarta, Indonesia, I felt like an honored guest from the entire city. It was insane the amount of people who came up to me and just wanted to talk to me and and welcome me to their city. Istanbul, Turkey, you know, which is inundated with tourists, but yet somehow they're still hospitable because it's a massive city. If you go to the right places, even within a touristed area like Dubrovnik, if you go just outside of the main tourist area, you'll find that the welcome mat is rolled out for you. And that isn't that a better travel experience than just, you know, lining up with... ATM across. By the way, it's cheaper too, <laughs> which I like. I have more fun when I spend less money. I don't know why. Call me crazy. <laughs> right, it's the way it is. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the food of Croatia because I fell in love with the food in Croatia. And one thing that I found, especially on the Istrian Peninsula, is that no matter where you go, there's tons of what they call zero kilometer, what we call local or farm to table mm-hmm. food. Lots of fresh veggies. You can't get away from the fresh veggies in Croatia. Was, was that your experience as well, Rob? That, that is my experience. I mean, that's my experience, I would say, Brent, in most destinations outside of the United States. Um, it just is a fact of life that when I travel, I eat more, quote unquote, things not on my diet and end up eating healthier, feeling better because of that. And so in Croatia, I'm, I'm a vegetarian at home. That's what I say. I'm a plant. I'm a mostly meatless at home. Occasionally I will eat. But when I travel, I'm like, I'm going to eat whatever the locals eat. Well, I found that where I was in Dubrovnik and especially along the coast, fresh seafood, which I love, was just a no-brainer. And the vegetables that came with it, I had some of the best food I've ever had. Um, I think in Havar Island, uh, Croatia, where 
literally the guy, he said, you got to have this goat cheese plate. I usually don't eat cheese, but the goats were down the road. He pointed to where they were being milked. <laughs> I'm like, well, if that goat made this cheese, I'm eating it, you know? And he was not wrong. He did not steer me wrong. And um, I think I ate just to, to, to popping and didn't gain a pound, you know? So it just goes to show you what fresh, non-processed food can do for you and how, how, how much better you feel, you know? It, it could be semantic in my mind. I might just be imagining this, but I do feel better, I, I think, when I eat, um, you know, all natural food like that. And it's a challenge in the United States. It's not a challenge there. It's just what we call organic, they call food. And that's the other thing I love about uh, travel, especially in the EU, is that everything is labeled as such. You know, it's not right. difficult to find something that's organic or even like finding something vegetarian can be difficult right. in the U.S. You think it's vegetarian, but it's not really vegetarian. It has some, you know, right. ingredient in it that's not. But you go into a grocery store in almost anywhere in Europe and it'll have that V label on it or some kind of indication that it's right. vegetarian. I think they take their food very seriously there uh, for good reason. Here we take our money very seriously. Mm. And I think there's, um, you know, money is fine. We all have to make a living, but I think we also have to realize that there's a price to pay if you just allow money to be the overriding factor in everything. Especially with your food, you're going to suffer health consequences right. down the road. Uh, right. what, what about Zagreb? Um, I, I love Zagreb. I have some very, <laughs> some very fond memories of that. Especially the first night we were there, we wound up in a in a little bar, and I was introduced to the drink called Rakia. Um. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a little of that. Yeah. Um, I like Zagreb. I mean, it was during July. So most of the Zag Zagreb folks were on the coast where yeah, I had just yeah. come from. Uh, so it was a little bit of, and also the weekend I was there, they had just allowed festivals to happen again, uh, outdoor festivals. So it was, I really felt comfortable there because every time you went inside, people were wearing masks, but outside it was extraordinarily normal. It was a slice of normality because the weather was wonderful and the festivals were going on and there was a festival everywhere I went. Like you could just stumble upon beer festivals, music festivals. And, um, you know, the crowds were not overwhelming because most of the people, the crowds were more overwhelming on Split, you know, in Dalmatia on the coast. Right. You know, in Zagreb was probably one of my favorite places to go to, you know, just, I, I'm a city guy anyway. I'm like drawn to urban areas. Um, as much as I love beaches and water, uh, urban areas, especially in a city like Zagreb, it looks very livable, you know, it's just, yeah. it's easy to get around and the building and wide sidewalks and not overcrowded and outdoor cafes, outdoor cafes, very European experience, basically, you know, very livable city, not some congested you know, nightmare. Uh, of course, again, if I go in January or February, I'm sure I'd have a different experience, you know. A lot of people just are in and out of Zagreb. They they come to the airport and then they, you know, they make their way to yeah. the Dalmatian coast or Istria or wherever. And I think, you know, Zagreb is definitely worth hanging out for a couple of days. There is stuff to do. It's a fun place. Um, did you get to try any Croatian wine while you were in Croatia? You know, I can't recall that I did. I had a lot of beer. Um, I, I've had Croatian wine before, and I really like it. I like, generally speaking, wine from that area, uh, especially red wine. 
Um, but I did have lots of rakia at the Red Museum in Gruge <laughs> right after lots of uh, brewed beer. So that night I got a little like <laughs> throwing a little jet lag. I was only there like I'm like, dudes, I've just been here a couple of days. I'm already. But, um, you know, because of the time change, it was like midnight there. It was like 6 p.m. So I was rolling hard. But uh, rakia was definitely uh, it put me in a good mood, man. I mean, I just. It's one of those things, you know, you have that moment whenever you travel, Brent, where you're like, I'm not at home anymore, and it hits you, and you have this incredible high. Yeah. It's not like travel is a constant high. You have bad moments just like you do anywhere, but what it does is I think it really accentuates the highs, and it really helps you live through the lows um, without going as deep in the valleys, maybe. And so for me, the highs really are something that you always remember because you don't remember the entire trip. Your brain isn't wired that way. But what you remember are those wonderful, incredible moments. And that can fuel you through some really difficult times. It fueled me through a few blizzard <laughs> conditions uh, last winter. I was locked in my one-bedroom apartment in New York and right, right. not socializing with anybody. It was rough, man. But I, I, those memories helped me get through it, those travel memories. Now, you said there was a third place you went to. You you were on the Dalmatian coast. You were in Zagreb. And then where was the third place you said, Rob? Yeah, so it's Osiek. And Osiek is basically on the frontier, uh, its interior of uh, Croatia, where a lot of tourists don't traditionally go. And it's kind of on the border there of Serbia. It's not that far. And it was kind of the um, I guess one of the uh, beginning points of the Balkan War uh, back in the day. So I wanted to go there because I had a friend, uh, George from Georgia, actually. He was a, a, a tour guide of mine in Georgia. He had a friend there who was a tour guide. And I was like, well, George from Georgia is like one of the best people I know. Let me let me go there and, and meet uh, his friend. And I did and, and uh, ended up staying at, uh, you know, uh, his friend's uh, apartment. He had an Airbnb. He toured me around. Uh, we just had a, a, a wonderful time. And so Osijek is like the fourth largest city in Croatia. It has maybe 100,000 or more people, but not huge. Um, it's about three-hour bus ride from Zagreb. And I just loved it because I was able to see, you know, uh, a, a more traditional city where there's more, way more locals than t- t- tourists at the time. Because most of the people were, you know, on the coast, right? And so after, you know, Split and uh, the Dalmatian coast and all those really touristy areas and, and, the, and the capital of Zagreb, Osijek was a good change of pace. Now, the nickname is the Mosquito City. So it can be off-putting. I just say, don't let that stop you, man. Just wear a little mosquito repellent. They only come out at dusk, but they will eat you up at dusk, man. There's a reason for it. But it's got a river running through it. You also see, you know, some of the damage from the war and you can learn a little bit about, you know, the war and, you know, some of the tragedy of it. And for me, it was, you know, it's it's just something that I do. I always like to go and visit even parts of history that aren't pleasant because, you know, obviously, if you don't learn from history, you will repeat it and you may repeat it anyway. But I felt like it was something that I needed to do because I had seen the perspective of the war in my previous trips to Serbia. I'd gone to Serbia twice. And so I wanted to see it from another perspective. And so um, it was just, you know, another part of Croatia. And it really gives you perspective when you go to as many different types of regions as you can. 
um, within a country with the time that you have allotted will give you, you know, you're still going to have a very narrow view of the country, but it gives you a, a, a broader view of the country. And so that's why I really liked about Osijek. I had to do quite a bit of research about uh, the Croat, the Balkan War um, when I was writing my book. And I think this is in, this is in the region up past Zagreb. I think they call it, I'm not sure if Osijek is in this region, but the Karst region. And this is where a lot of the uh, war was fought between the breakaway Croats and the Serbians. And it's interesting because, you know, People think about this war and they think, oh, all of Croatia was on fire for several years. It wasn't. There were a right. lot of areas of Croatia that weren't taught. You go to Istria and they're like, wasn't here. Yeah. We we didn't right. have it. But I think it's fascinating to learn about this because, um, you know, you get a few Rakias in a, in, a, in a couple of guys of certain age and they'll tell you stories about what happened. And um, it certainly wasn't pretty. No, no, it wasn't. And I mean, you know, as you look at it, you're, you're, you're reminded, and I've been reminded of this before, there's so many places throughout the world where you go, especially old, old cities where, you know, they're like, well, here are the Jews, the Muslims, and um, the Christians all lived side by side for centuries until, you know, somebody came along, some um, leader who figured out that, you know, if he divided people, he could come to power yeah. for self Came out and, and said, you know, those guys, they're your problem. Exactly. exactly. And it and just gets repeated just, over and over and over again. Yeah. And then tribalism takes over. And I just saw so many parallels with what's happened in the United States. Um, I mean, I've seen things in my lifetime here in the U.S. I thought I would never see. And it it's upsetting. But by going and seeing places that have lived through much worse it kind of get, and and then seeing them recover, and how much better they've uh, they, they how 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 they've returned to normal and people are generally getting along and those wounds have are still healing they are, but it gives you hope it gives you hope for the future you know and you're like man I hope we can avoid those mistakes but if we can't at least we know that humanity can overcome because we have those as an example so Osijek was just wonderful it, it gave me a a slice of interior Croatian life. You get to see the differences between it and the coast and, and Zagreb. And, and therein is the challenge. You know, what are nations anyway? But, uh, you know, borders, really, because there's so many different types of people living, you know, even within one country. And uh, But I, I just found Osijek uh, to be one of the best experiences I ever had. And, and the people there were just outstanding. And overall, I would just say Croatia in general, the people are just, you know, just incredibly friendly, even in places that are that are over touristed. Somehow they have the patience uh, to deal with travelers in a in a very respectful manner, no matter what. You know, I think that's a great message to finish this episode on, Rob. Which is, you know, go to Croatia, but yeah. you know, not just Dubrovnik, not just Split. You know, get away from some of these tourist locations, and you can really have a great experience with uh, with new Croatian friends. So thanks yeah. for being on the uh, Destination Eat Drink podcast. Thanks for sharing that message. And I'd love to have you back again uh, down the road to talk some more about your travels and some of your favorite places. Would you come back? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. As I always say, the only thing I like better than travel is talking about myself. So yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Thanks, Rob. All right. Man. Okay. There you go. I tell you, I could 
talk Croatia all day long with Rob. I've got links to his show and where to watch it in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED152. And you heard it. Rob said he'd do the show again, so we'll have him back soon. That's going to do it for this week. Next week, we are talking coffee. Don't miss that. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. And since Halloween is this weekend, I decided to repost a story I wrote a couple years ago about the time we were in Italy for Halloween. That's at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Rakia Chugging Champ Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.